You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. I have Katia Reis. Um, she's over in Portugal. She's a PhD student at the Faculdade de Medicina de Lisboa, uh, so Faculty of Medicine at Lisbon uh, University in the uh, CENC. Uh, they're studying sleep and circadian rhythms in humans, of which I am probably a bad example. So, uh, Katia, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you, and you? Good. I'm, I'm glad to talk to you because um, I guess I'm a strange example of a, of a circadian rhythm and I have a lot of uh, questions about it. So, um, first of all, my question is, what what uh, what made you study sleep and circadian rhythms? It's kind of a, a strange thing maybe to study. I don't know. What got you interested in it? Yeah, it's, I, I didn't start by there. I started as a studying by marine biology in the Lisbon Science School. But since I needed to work as a shift working during my basic course, I started to get interested in circadian rhythm. So particularly in circadian rhythm disruption, you know. So the effects of sleep deprivation, fatigue and human performance and health. And for that, after finishing my basic course in marine biology, I just started to do master in science. But in this case, in human biology and environment at the same university, you know. Uh, and after that, I just started planning my PhD uh, in this field, but now in the Lisbon Medical School. But it, it was it was mainly because of that, because I, you know, as a, as a worker, uh, as a student and a worker, and mainly a chief worker, I started thinking of what was happening with me because mm. I felt very tired. I, I slept very few during on the whole day because I didn't study and I didn't work. So that that is why. So I started okay. by marine biology, but then I just started being interested in circadian rhythm. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so circadian rhythm—that's what the pattern of wake and sleep cycles of you know any creature. Yeah. You know. Circadian rhythm, we have a lot of rhythm. Uh, everyone does, starting by fungi until humans. But, you know, by the reasons that I already told you before, um, I started to be interested in humans. Mm. So, the, the, and the first cycle that you can easily see is, it's, it's the sleep-wake cycle, so the sleep-wake behavior, the sleep-wake circadian rhythm. And that's why I felt interested in sleep okay. uh, and circadian rhythm. <laughs> so, sleep 
Circadian Rhythm Cycle. Okay, so, so as an example, I've heard that certain hormones peak and trough at different times. You know, like cortisol, you know, spikes at this time and goes down at this time. And melatonin starts here and goes there. So can you describe some of the important, um, you know, molecules that are involved in sleep and when they tend to rise and peak and trough? Yes, of course. They are, they are very important, you know. And many people used to call uh, melatonin as a sleep, as a sleep hormone. It's, it's not totally correct, you know, because melatonin is mainly the dark hormone, so it, it, it's produced during the night. And for us humans, being daily, uh, daily uh, organisms, we sleep during the night. So it, it, it's also a coincidence, you know. Okay. <laughs> so, but, it's, you know, actually sleep, uh, melatonin is not an hypnotic but help us to uh, start sleep because it marks our, our endogenous night, as you can say. And the cortisol uh, oh, and the melatonin it starts to be produced around two hours before the bedtime. And for a normal, you know, behavior or that someone to go to bed around midnight, or 11, so we can say that the melatonin starts rising about 10 p.m. or uh, around that, 9, 10, 10 and a half, around that. What, what, signals, um, what signals your body to start producing melatonin? Is it the absence it's of not. certain wavelengths of light, or is it the... Uh... The light. It's the light. And that's why it's so important to not be exposed to to high frequencies of light during that period because the exposure to light, uh, to intense light, stops the melatonin production, production, sorry. And that's why it's so important to not be exposed to, to light at that time because if you do that, you will not, so you will produce much less melatonin that you should and that's what happened. But that's what happened, what happened with the shift workers because they are working during the night, so they are exposed to light, and so usually they have lower levels of melatonin because of that. Because their melatonin suppressed by light. So okay, so it's and suppressed. It's, it's suppressed by certain wavelengths of light, not all light, right? You know, like yeah. blue light more than red light, red or yellow they, light. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a uh, it's the usually common called blue light. Yes. So what happens if as are, um, as melatonin is released in your body and it starts to build up? What effect does it have on the body? So it 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 are you asking about functions or or about your what you're feeling when the melatonin starts rising? Well, both. Yeah. What do you feel as it rises, uh, and what's the function I, of it? Uh, start feeling it, it's sleepiness. So it's, it's not an hypnotic, but it perpetuates your sleep. You know, there are some people that say that it's your melatonin that starts going into sleep, but it's, it's not totally correct. But yeah, it helps you go into sleep. Okay. What what uh, function does it serve in your body? So it makes you tired, so that you want to go lay down to sleep. 
but does it have any other function in your body? So it has a restorative function, so, and, um, and that's why it is so important to have it in circulation because it has a lot of um, functions that, uh, that go to help you, you know, in your cell restoration and, you know, and that's why where when you when you have lower level you you are more prone to have some illnesses you know to develop some illnesses so that's why it's so important and that's why it's so important not to, to suppress it and to to have normal levels of melatonin in circulation so if you uh, if you're exposed to blue light let's say you're on your phone and then you try to go to bed right away there won't be sufficient melatonin built up in your body, so you probably will lay there and not fall asleep for quite a long time. That's my guess on what may happen, right? Yeah, you know, but the, the, your phone, you have both pro two problems there. It's not only your life, but it's, all, but it's also the fact that you are, you know, when you are in your phone, you are being stimulated, you know, intellectually stimulated because you are, you are answering emails or answering SMS. So you have two problems there. You have a problem with the life suppression. That there are some some phones that have some blue blockers for the screening, and then you can you can block the light. But that's not you know you you can't only have that because your phone <laughs> it's all being uh, you know answering emails and answering SMSs and, you know, working at your laptop. You can use some apps just like Flux or some others that can block the blue light. But you are being stimulated. So you have both things that are, that are bad for your people. Just don't let go into You know, this is not only life. So how does um, melatonin affect shift workers? Let's say... Um you know, I work a shift and I get off at like, you know, three in the morning and I try to go to sleep at four in the morning and I want to get up at noon. You know, my uh, has my melatonin been produced and is it exhausted by the time I go to sleep? And, you know, how will it affect me if I have to work those hours, for instance? Yeah, as a shift worker, you have you have a lot of problems. <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy to cope with that. So one of the things that um, we have different uh, time of production. So we have different timings, different prototypes. This is a the word that is commonly used, you know, for people that their prototype. So it's the time that they usually go to bed and that they wake, and it's, it's totally different from all people. You know, uh, I don't know that you already. There are many studies. The, doing with the unique chronotype questionnaire, and you can see that you have a huge distribution. It's a normal distribution, so you have much more people that have um, that are normal type, as you can see. As you can see, then you have early type, and then you have late type. Yeah, and like night so owls and larks. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, they, yeah, they call them larks. Right. Yes, that's it. So you know, for a late type to do night shift. It's much easier that for someone that is a nervous type, mm. you know, and the contrary is also it's also true. 
So if you, if you put someone that is late type, I need to do a very early morning shift and it needs to rise at 3 a.m. in the morning. Many for them, it's really difficult for to wake up. So they won't go sleep until their night, their, until their clock, their interest clock say that it's their time to sleep. So they might even try to go to bed, but they won't go into sleep because it's not their internal time saying that it's their time to sleep, so they're gonna time. So it's, it, it's really difficult sometimes to, to to manage that. And that's something that is really important and that is something that I've been working with. It, 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 it's really that, the shift work. Okay. Because, you know, it starts thinking of putting people working on their internal time, you know, or doing more shifts according to their internal time. It's much easier for everybody because the workers could sleep more if they are in their internal time. So that's the thing that, I, the example that I gave you previously uh, for the late type that is doing a very early morning shift, if he would, you know, he's going to work with, I don't know, two hours of sleep. And sometimes happens, and I already saw that, you know, uh, the, in those people that they, they're not having the one thing that is, you know, they have anticipatory stress, so they go to bed, they try to sleep. Right. They are not able to sleep because it's not their time to sleep. And then they start thinking, oh my gosh, I have only three hours to sleep. Mm. I need to wake. And then they can't sleep because they are very anxious, you know, that oh, right. almost two hours, almost one hour, and it's gone. Yeah. So he needs to go work without sleep. And that happens. That that's really true. I already saw that, you know. So it's it's and and it's dangerous because they they go to work uh, without any sleep. And if they are doing any job that is demanding job, how can they work properly? Impossible. Right. People can and fall asleep on the job and kill people and make medical errors and all kinds of stuff like that. Yes, all those kinds of stuff, and, and that's very. Unfortunately, this, this thing happened, and but if you know, also the companies, if, if they start getting this into account, they, they it's a win-win situation. You know, it's good for everyone. All right. So what? what um, <laughs> company. What, what do you think? Like okay. What, what do you think is the um, the mechanism in the body that causes people to have different chronotypes? Have you studied that, or have you seen papers that? Yeah. What are the differences between a lark and an owl, you know, physiologically? Okay, so you have three things that can influence your current type. So you have genetics, you have your social behavior, mm -hmm. so the social consensus, and life. So those are the three things that can influence your current type. But you have a genetic basis. So you, your, your genome already say that if you are late or if you are early. And you can entrain that. You can entrain your cycle with light. Because light is your master light fever. So it's your master entrainment uh, and trainer in this case. And so of course you can always try to manage that, you know, but it's your internal time that is going to take. So your genetics is 
going to rise and it's going to be always there. So it's not easy. If you are really a late type or if you are really an early type, you can try. You can try to manage that with life. It's what we usually do and it's what we, we usually do with Sarcadian rhythm um, uh, with the late sleep wake patients. Here in the clinic, in the center where I where I work with, um, also with shift workers. So we teach them how to cope with that. We teach them what what he should do, so when he needs to be exposed to light or when he needs to avoid light. Because if you are exposed to the morning light, you it, it will make you go to sleep earlier. But if you are exposed to light afternoon, so you were going to into that light. And that's what right. we do in phototherapy. So we expose people to light in the morning or in the evening according of what we need to do. So to advance or to delay their cycle. How much time do you need to do this? Like how many hours before bed should the last exposure to blue light be in order to prepare someone to sleep when you want them to or when they want to? Okay, but we usually say it's at least two hours before the, the time that you need to go to bed, you need to avoid the light sources or blue light sources. You can okay. be with the dim light, you know, it's okay uh, if you need to go to bed early. And then in that case, that person also should wake in the morning and go to here in Portugal, it's quite easy because if you go outdoors, you have a lot of light usually. So it's, it's easy to do phototherapy. We just need to say, go, go to, the, to the garden and walk your dog, you know, and you, you can have your phototherapy. If you do a morning walk, a one hour morning walk, you know, it's more than enough to, to, to help you go to bed early. The problem is that people are always indoors, you know. You wake up in the morning, you we go at home, so you go to your work in a car, you don't fall in the tree, and you pass the whole day inside a building, and then when you go out, it's already dark, and you go home again, and you don't have any light. And what's happening to people is that people are are not being exposed to light. You know, they are all they are they pass the whole day indoors. And so people are becoming later because they are not being trained by light. Gotcha. Something that we are we we are we are being you know we have been we have seen the whole the last years. So uh, so, uh, so melatonin okay. melatonin definitely appears to be a light based hormone. Uh, what other yeah. hormones are in play that are important? We we started to talk about cortisol, but I interrupted you. So. Yeah. Tell me about cortisol. What role does it play? So cortisol is it's an excitatory hormone. So it's it's an hormone that that tells you when it's, that you should uh, rise and then you start working and then it starts being active. So it, it it totally it elevates through your melatonin. So your cortisol starts rising when your melatonin starts to decrease. And your peak of melatonin, it, it, uh, sorry, of cortisol, is approximately half an hour after your weight. And then it starts increasing during the day. But, so your peak is in the morning. So 
you have your lowest levels of melatonin morning and you have your higher levels of cortisol in the morning. So it's supposed to wake, be awake in the morning. So since it's supposed to be awake in the morning, you have high levels of cortisol. Because it, that's what cortisol makes make you aware. Mm. Well, what happens if um, you have disrupted sleep? You know, let's say you have apnea or you have some kind of insomnia, you know, you wake up early or you, you know, you wake up multiple uh-huh. times. Does that trigger cortisol to start at the wrong time while you're still attempting to sleep and disrupt it? Yes. Yes, of course, because cortisol is a stress hormone. So it reacts to stress. And of course, also sleep apnea or insomnia is stress. It's a stressor to your body. So apnea is a stressor because you are you are decreasing your level of of oxygen in your body, and it makes you awake most of the time, and that's a stressor. So what happens in your body when you are exposed to stress um, is that it makes you decrease the emphasis of cortisol. So. When you are supposed to have very, very low levels of cortisol that is during the night, it starts being produced. What makes you doing is that during the day, the levels that should be higher, it's not, they are not so high. So you reduce the amplitude of your curve when you are exposed to stress. That's what usually happens. Also in sleep deprivation, so in sleep deprivation protocols, what, you, what we observe is, is that. So you have a lower emphasis of cortisol of the curve because we also have it being produced during the night. Okay. When you should, when it shouldn't be. <laughs> right, right, gotcha. Um, are there any other hormones that uh, impact sleep and wake cycles? Another thing, you know, you have a lot of hormones. You have leptin. So leptin is the satiety hormone, and she's produced also during your sleep. And that's what happens. I'm going to ask you when you when you don't sleep during one night, what happens to you? Usually, when you are very tired during the other day, you want to eat a lot. And why? Because you haven't produced your leptin during the night. You know, so since you have lower levels of leptin because you haven't sleep, you haven't produced it. So you are more starved during the day, and usually people are more prone to you to eat uh, hypercaloric food. You know, it's not healthy food. Right. <laughs> when we when we don't sleep, we usually want to eat bad food, junk food, really. And uh, that's why we, when you are when you are sleep deprived, when you sleep very few. And that happens many times in shift workers. You have people with uh, with uh, higher weight, you know, so <laughs> obesity, and you know, all those metabolic um, disorders, and that's one of the reasons. So the growth hormone, the growth hormone is also another hormone that is induced during the night, during our sleep, also. And that's why it's so important for kids to sleep, you know, because mm-hmm. if they don't sleep, they produce less growth hormones. Mm-hmm. They, they want, you know, they want growth. When we do some 
workshop for kids. That's one of your moms that we usually say. You, sh- you really, when your mom is saying that you need to sleep, to grow, that's true. Because your growth hormone is produced during the night. Okay. And there's another one that is very, very nice and it, uh, to, to deal with, with kids. Uh, that is the testosterone. Because it's also produced during your sleep, you know. And when you take an adult, and you know, you need to, you need to sleep because otherwise you won't reduce your testosterone. And you say, oh, oh, sleeping, you know. And there's a lot of things that that you know happen to your body during your sleep, and they are so important. And the problem is that people, many people, still don't know that. And still continue thinking that sleep is a waste of time and useless, you know, and we have so many things to do, just like playing all the time till very late hours of the night, you know. And because people still don't know the, the real importance of sleep. And that's, that's one of my goals, you know, it starts to pass and say to people that people shift workers there seems to be two kinds there's the ones that have a permanent late shift let's say you always work you know till four in the morning but it's consistent and then there's ones that shift changes every week which is probably a lot worse than a consistently late shift you know you work a week of nights then a week of days and a week of nights and a week of days so do you study the difference between those two or what kind of shift workers are you talking about yeah, I'm, uh, I work with different kinds of shift workers. Uh, I, I work a lot with, uh, with the crew, with airline crews. Uh, and so they have disrupted schedules and that's not very easy to cope. Uh, but you know, it's, it's difficult. But as you were saying, you know, the permanent late shift, you're not, you were talking about the late shift. Okay, for a late type, that's very easy to do it, you know, because it, they can cope quite easily because if they stop at two, and anything permanent, so you can adapt. So, you you know, you have the three factors that I told you before. And if your social factor is, you know, it's as to do, 
for a, a late type or for an intermediate, that's not, you know, it's, it's easy, it's, three, it's doable. Uh, but for an early type, you, a late shift, it's not as easy, but it's also doable. But being changing, and as you were saying before, changing one week, so one week, one thing, another week, another thing, it's that's more difficult. And even worse, if you are not doing it clockwise, and that happens, we, we see it quite often. Because if you do your shift, if you, if you are always moving, you know, moving forward, it's much easier than going back of your clock. Right. Because for us, you know, it's a human. Human, you don't, as a human, you don't have a strict 24-hour cycle. Our cycle is around 24.3, something like that. Right. On average, you know, on average. And that's why it's much, much easier for us to go later than to go earlier. You know, it's, it's like when you travel, it's, it's much easier when you need to go to, you know, to, to delay your bedtime than when you need to go before, you know, to advance your bedtime. So yeah, and why, why is that? Because it's, it's more difficult it's to avoid blue light? Because we are, we are not 24, we are 24 plus a little bit more. You know, so it's much easier to put your cycle longer than shorter, you know, endogenously. So it's easy for people's, it's easy for people's to have sleep procrastination and for their bedtime to start going later and later and later. It is. I would say it is. And that's, that's happening quite often. Yeah. People are delaying their bedtime. (laughs) So what, um... What interesting and surprising results are you seeing in your research? Uh, so what I can see is that here in Portugal, we are really, really late people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to, I, think I have been doing some populational studies uh, because I, I work uh, with Professor Tilburnberg also in Munich uh, University and he works with the Munich Chronotype Questionnaire, so he has a huge database. And we are doing some concrete comparison and we can see that we are in in Europe we are actually the latest country in Europe. Well, Even I, later I, than that, you know I, I'd love we, to live there. We have a different time zone from from Spain. Huh. So we are in green time. You know, we have the same time as UK or Ireland and even as you know, just think we are later than that. And it's, it, I don't know, we, I really would like to get a grant <laughs> to look at clock genes and something, you know, because it might be something populational, I don't know. We don't know. We need to study that. Well, give but me, uh, g- give me an example. Give me an example. What time do you, do people there wake up and go for lunch and dinner and what time do they go to sleep? You know, give me some examples. Okay, so it, it's quite normal here to go to bed at 1, 2 a.m. in the morning. Right. And yeah, so, and to wake up, uh, it depends because during the week and during the weekday, the, the, you know, the weekend days, you have totally different times. So you have, it's also just like it's there all the time. So, uh, 
and what happens is that is that when you when you are on a on a on a weekend day you have huge sleep problems. Uh, but people wake up here at seven, eight. Some of them can arrive a little bit later. But you know, people need kids need to, need to go to school. The school here starts for the kindergarten and until the fourth grade it's at nine. That's great. But then yeah, no, until the fourth year, so the primary school. And after that, it starts at 8 in the morning. Mm, that's and too early. That's not very, that's not very good because uh, endogenously, we, the kids getting later as the adolescents, you know, when they start being adolescents, they start to go to bed later. Not only because they are playing and they are procrastinating, their bedtimes is because endogenously they become later. So they start producing their melatonin later. You know? Right. And uh, uh, there's a study that uh, that says that the, the end of adulthood is marked when you become earlier again. And it's around 21 years for a boy huh. and uh, 19.5 for girls. Okay. And um, so to put them going to school early, it's not very intelligent, I think. But you know that happens here. So you have people really sleep deprived. Yeah, <laughs> I also bad. looked to um, a cohort, a so populational study that had a question. It, it was a simple question, and unfortunately, they only had it generally, so they didn't separate for work days and for three days. And we can see that when you ask for someone how many hours sleep, usually people are referring to their weekdays, so the days when they are working, because they have much more, I don't know, probably because they have much more days when they are working than when they are not working. Yeah. So usually when you, when you ask someone, they will tell you the, the amount of sleep that they usually have during their Weekdays, okay. and that questionnaire only had that question. And what I what I saw, and that is a representative sample, uh, was that you have uh, a separated, by short duration, normal duration, and long duration according to the American Academy. Uh, so less than five. I put it less than five because the mean average. I mean age, you know, the average age of the sample was a little bit late. So they, they were, they were around, it was around 40 and something You know, it, it was not very, they were not very young. So right. I opted to, to cut out at five. There are other population of studies that done it at six hours. So doing at five hours, we had a prevalence of more than 20% of people sleeping less than five hours, and that's very cute. <laughs> so I think that uh, people are not taking really, um, you know, they are not looking to their sleep, so they are really sleeping very few, much fewer than they should, and it's something that we need to, to, to you know, to, to be worried and to start to doing some, you know, campaign to alert people that they should 
street more or that we should take into account the food. So people are really sleeping very few. And there is a lot of studies showing that food preparation has a lot of problems. So, yeah. So are you focused on intervention, helping people to sleep better, or are you focused on just studying why they do what they do and what the effects are? I think we should just both things, you know, because we really need to try to understand why they are doing it, you know. If there is a genetic problem, it's its own behavior, you know, because behavior is always there. We don't know if it's only a behavioral problem or if it's something really genetic. Uh, but after that, I think we should really start alert people to that importance. And knowing what's happening is easier because you can explain. You are doing this and this is wrong. You should, you should do this. You shouldn't do that. You know, but it's, it's really important to, to alert people for, for this because you know, we are so, it's so overwhelmed all the time with our lives and with, you know, all the other things that we, we did regard something so important to our lives that is sleep. You know, if sleep wasn't so important, why does the nature put you sleeping 30% of your, 30% of your life? You pass with sleeping. Right. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't important, that was really bad, you know? And usually nature does the thing good. <laughs> if, 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 you know, if you need to sleep as much as if you, if you pass 30% of your life sleeping, that's because important. Otherwise, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Right. It makes no sense. Okay. So what, what questions do you want to answer in the next six months or a year? What, uh, what questions are you hot on the trail of right now? Okay, so the question that I really want to ask right now is the one that I that, that I told you before was if we as a population have something that makes us to be so late, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if there's some something genetic, it might be, you know, I don't know if you know a little bit about Portuguese history, but. You know, we we discover a lot of a lot of countries in the during the discoveries. You know, so in uh, we 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 are so so small, and and we could co- we discover Brazil, we discover in Africa a lot of countries, and so we we and you know why? Because we could sail during the night. Mm. So sailors. Our discoverers, so Cristóbal Colombo and you know all of, the, all of that, they 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 were able to sleep during the to to be awake during the night. Sorry, right. and I, and that's an that's an that's an advantage that they have. And I don't know, hmm. we we can we you know probably the lateness was already there. Who knows? Right. So it might have something genetic, and that's something that I would really like to discover. Why is this happening to us? It's just behavior. Yeah, you were asking about our meal time. Yes. It's, you know, it's not as late as Spanish. Uh, usually we eat at around between noon and two, you know, but the average is one, yeah. 
Right. And the dinner, dinner is, I don't know, I would say around 8 and 10. Okay. Yeah, sometimes in Spain, they, it's very common to to have dinner later than we do. But then, you know, we have the dinner, but we still, we are still like up, you know, and you go to bed very late. Well, very good. So um, I, I don't know. I really, need to, I really need to find out what's happening. Okay. So what's uh, you know, we're we're just about out of time. What's the best way for people to find out more and to ask you more about your work and to you know to see what it involves in detail? How do they get in touch? Sorry, I didn't. I didn't, uh, I didn't properly the question. Sorry. Well, I'll restate that. So so how, what's the best way for people to get in touch? with you that are interested in learning more? Website, email, Twitter, what's the best way? Oh, yes. Uh, so I do have, so my Twitter account, I usually used to follow research and, you know, but I also have a Twitter, uh, Twitter account. I also have an, an Instagram account. And usually when I do some, you know, when I have some workshop or all things, I just post it there. Um, and uh, many times I also credit the MCDQ and questions around for also for Facebook, but it, and we have also a website actually under development now. It's been changed here in the center. Mm -hmm. So the Thanks with Medical Center, it's in Lisbon. It's a multidisciplinary center. Uh, where we see patients, but we also do science. So I, I'm an investigator here, uh, and I'm also linked to the university, so it's a medical school. So it's, it, you know, okay. they, if people want to know more, they can reach me to university or from the center, mainly. All right, very good. Well, Katya, I appreciate you uh, taking the time, and, uh, you know, thanks for coming on the podcast. Okay, you're welcome. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.